Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslett. Um, so today's episode is actually me talking to a student group um, about running a cash practice. Um, and full disclosure, I don't, I don't remember what I said to them. So maybe I say that in there. Uh, but like we do run about two to five percent Medicare on any given day. Wait, five percent. Mm, let's say two to 4% Medicare on any given week or month. So we are not 100, 100% cash, uh, mostly because I don't know how to get out of network with Medicare. Um, it's too complicated. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the trenches. Um, but no, it's fun. Cause I get to talk to a student, a student group and like give them a glimmer of hope that like, yeah, no, you don't have to deal with, you don't have to do insurance if you don't want to. And if you want to, that's fantastic. But if you don't want to, then let me show you that you can be super successful while not dealing with insurance. Um, and I think that's a message that they need to hear. Because like again, all right, I'm not bagging on insurance. Insurance is lovely. And if insurance paid well and was super clear, let's be honest, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have somebody else pay for someone else's care. But... There's just so much confusion that goes in. The number of times that a patient, like back when I was in network, that a patient got upset because they thought one thing and then like it ended up being another thing. And of course, they're not mad at their insurance. Who's the one who changed their mind? They're mad at me because I didn't clearly communicate what was going to happen. When I want to be like, yeah, things get complicated when it's not just like a money system of like, this is how much it will be. And this is how much you will owe. And this is what you're getting for that. And there's no surprises. <laughs> Unless sometimes people don't really pay attention while you're explaining those things. And then they get really mad and disgruntled when you show them a month and a half in like, hey, remember if, if you quit care, this is what happens. And then they leave a bad review for you. And you're like, that's not fair. You are in the wrong Anybody who follows my social media knows that I may or may not have gotten a bad review this week. And of course, went <laughs> to social media and made a bitter reel about it. It wasn't my fault. Okay, Listen, I am all for learning from mistakes. But in this scenario, the, the high horse, no, the high horse she wants to die on. What's the, what's the phrase? Oh, the hill this chick wants to die on literally is that it's unethical to use contracts within healthcare and that it's not her fault that her husband signed the contract and didn't care what he was reading or understand it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, listen, you're the one who sent that spouse to day two. And if anything, we get faulted for going too much into explaining because we, we just, I hate misunderstandings because people get mad and confused. And I don't know, it's just our number one goal is to always make sure that patients really, really understand that at a certain point when they're like, yeah, I understand. It feels like you're beating a bad horse. <laughs> so, so anyways, either way, yes, bad reviews suck. You wish you could respond however you wanted to. Most of the time they don't happen because when you run a cash practice, things tend to be pretty black and white and clear. The other reason that like 
uh, in addition to like not having to deal with insurance. The big thing that I talk about in this episode is we use the scans. I don't, I don't know, half the time, the scans are so much a part of my life that I just reference them as the scans. What I'm talking about when I say that is the progress scans that we do every 12 visits for our patients um, by the Insight CLA scanner. So they're nerve scans. They were a game changer for our clinic when we turned from an insurance clinic into a cash practice. It was the number one tool that we had that helped communicate the value to patients. And because that's really what it comes down to when, when somebody has to actually pay for their care, they need to deeply understand that value. I dig into this in that, in this episode, but yeah. So, um, I think, I think you guys get a hefty discount on scans. Kirby will put that in the show notes for me. The, the, the coupon, the coupon for the Insight CLA scan. So if you're interested, you can check that out because like I said, if you are looking at running a cash practice, I don't know how I would have done it without having those scans. Okay, so now it is time for a listener highlight. This is from Dr. Shorts and it says, so basically everything I have learned about opening a practice is pretty much from listening to your podcast. So thank baby Jesus, I found you. Um, the only thing missing in that highlight review is how much baby Jesus weighed. I believe it's eight pounds, seven ounces. <laughs> if you know what movie I am referencing, congratulations. Even if you are Gen Z, which I think comes after the millennials, you're still cool. And in my, in my, in my club, in my club. And if you don't know what movie, for God's sake, go watch some Will Ferrell. Dear baby Jesus, my favorite form of Jesus. So, like I said, today, where I'm talking to a bunch of students, um, oh, you know who it's not? You know which students it's not? It's not Northwestern. But I'm so excited because Northwestern is my alma mater, and they don't have a ton of pediatric stuff, and they just reached out to me last week to come talk to their PX club. And I'm like, oh. You guys are actually doing something philosophical in life over there at that school. Love you guys. I mean, I love them, of course, but like the school, great job. Great job for, you know, doing more than giving flu vaccines. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. They are my alma mater and I love them. I just wish they had a little more philosophy, but it looks like it's coming and so I'm happy. So with that being said, set down the cold brew one and let's take a breather and let's get centered and go into this talk. Dear God, thank you so much for this next generation. Even if they don't know their Will Ferrell references, help them find those movies so they can understand this podcast better. Um, also thank you for this next generation, I suppose, in addition to that, uh, for them being so leaned in and wanting to be better and wanting this profession to be better and to make a bigger impact. Um, the students that are graduating, they're full of so much energy and they are just on fire about changing the world. And, oh, I am here for it. We need them. We need them just like every generation has needed that next generation. So I am so full of hope that they are going to just, they're just bursting into our profession, looking to impact lives through the full meaning of chiropractic. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, crew. So here is me chit-chatting to a, a PX club, I think. I think they're, yeah, yeah, it is. It's totally a PX club, a Tony Eagles PX club. Just not 100% sure which school. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Um, so, couple of caveats with this kind of a talk, talking about a cash practice. Um, Kirby, my husband, who is my business partner, um, always wants me to make sure that I tell you that I am not a lawyer. I'm actually kind of the worst when it comes to following rules. Uh, so when it comes to what you're allowed to do in practice, 
ultimately, I always fall back onto you need to check with the laws of your state and yada, yada, yada. Okay. Cool. We're good. Um, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm also not here to convince you to do a cash practice. Um, I one of the biggest things that I believe is missing in our just in our profession is an understanding for all different types of practice, but also kind of like popping the balloon of what is perceived the ideal practice. So if that means that I tell you something tonight and you're like, I never heard of that. That's cool. You're allowed to do that. That's great. But I believe that anybody is going to get just as much information going like, oh, that's a terrible idea. I don't want that at all either. So I'm not here to convince you um, to do a cash practice. There are tons of chiropractors who I'm sure super happy with their insurance practice. So who knows? Who knows? Um, so uh, also along the thing of, of questions, don't ask me anything about Medicare. I'll tell you right now. Yes, I wrote a cash practice. The only insurance I am participating in is Medicare because I can't figure out how to not be participating. I'm not smart enough to figure out the laws of insurance. So I see like five old people a week. Okay. And yeah, I submit to their insurance when they need it. Okay. So let's break down what a cash practice is. There is really no definition to it. Like it's, it's a thing that we made up, right? Just like the term high volume. I've seen people ask on like Facebook groups of like what's considered high volume and that number is ranging. I believe that a cash practice has a lot of connotations to it. Um, basically that they are hoping, they're not trying to run the insurance model. That doesn't mean that they may not be in network with insurances of a couple, you know, but they're just mostly cash. Um, I know a really rocking cash practice in Wisconsin that she's in network with Medicare and Optima. Otherwise, she's like 90% cash. So would I say she has a cash practice? Hell yeah, I would. Um, there's also not really this like it doesn't mean that you're seeing a high volume at a low price. I know people who are running a cash practice that maybe see 10 people a day and they might charge $200 for half an hour. That's a cash practice and you you can do that. Um, I also know people who see 100 people in an afternoon and especially because it's a lot of families, they might collect on average like $24 per person which one's better, which one's worse, which is not a cash practice. It, ultimately, we just have to get away from the like, well, I want a cash practice. And what does that mean? It means that like, you got to figure out what you want for you with the essence of a cash practice to me is that I am not responsible for following the guidelines and rules of an insurance company. To me, a cash practice gives me the freedom as the doctor to run the practice I want, whatever that may be for me. And I mean, again, air quotes here, because I'm not a lawyer, but like along the rules that I want. Um, there's a lot, a lot of rules that come into play that you're like, that's a dumb ass rule. Why can't I give the patient free care if I want, if you're in network and things like that. And so there just kind of tends to be this concern. The more that somebody else is paying you, the more you have to like, listen to them. It's kind of like you're a kid again. It's like, these are your parents and you have to do what they say to do. And I didn't like that. Um, so there's lots of other benefits to a cash practice. So the risk aversity is one of the biggest ones that happened in our story. I'll get to that, but ultimately we were a few years into practice and we were doing very, very well. And we were collecting, gosh, I'm trying to think because this was like five, six years ago. I would say we were collecting around $10,000 a month from a single insurance company. Um, and that was just one, I mean, it was our highest payer, um, but we were getting a lot of money and we were seeing a substantial amount of kids. And, um, when you're wanting to see kids, I mean, I don't know if this is a surprise, but insurance doesn't really love the model of seeing kids. I mean, that that's, if any insurance people are listening, they're like, that's not fair. I don't know. Maybe they do. But in my opinion, they would prefer we didn't adjust kids and they would sure as shit prefer we didn't adjust them like 
36 times in three months. Um, so, you know, we were running this very, you know, it was a relatively high volume again, what does that even mean practice? And we were collecting quite a bit of money. And there were these rumors that insurance companies were going to start kind of cracking down. There were also rumors of other chiropractors getting legal discipline um, after years of running their practice a certain way from an insurance company. Uh, one story was specific about Blue Cross Blue Shield, and it started with the audit of a single patient, which turned into hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars due back um, because the insurance company said, well, you know what, now that we looked into this one patient, we'd like to actually open um, an audit on every single Blue Cross Blue Shield patient you've ever seen. And the doc has, you don't have a choice. Like you took their money. Like, again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to demonize <laughs> insurance companies at all in this, but like you made your bed. If they're paying you when they ask, like for an audit, when they ask for files. And then when they say, we actually want a refund, believe me, their lawyers are better than yours. So we were kind of, um, you know, at this point, we were probably in the top 5% of pediatric practices for sure in the state. Um, and we just started to feel like we might have a target on our back. And, you know, um, my husband, Kirby, who has a business degree, was kind of just running the numbers and being like, I just don't like how, how quickly things could turn bad with just a single, with a single audit. I don't like the risk that could happen if they change their mind on their rules. Because a lot of the rules are written really ambiguously where you could interpret it um, to work for you, but they could also interpret it to work against you if that's what they chose to do. So risk averse is the number one reason that somebody would choose to do a cash practice. Um, the next reason that somebody would you do choose to do a cash practice would kind of be, like I said, the flexibility to run your clinic the way you want to run your clinic. Do for your patients as you want them to do. So there's a story along with this one um, that was kind of in this process of like, you know, of getting out of network. So I was in network. I was in network with everyone pretty much for the first four years of practice. And I remember about three years in, um, I remember the insurance company, but I won't say them. I don't know why. It feels weird. It feels weird. Like I'm talking trash about them and I could get in trouble. <laughs> there's going to be a hit out on my head after this, you guys. Um, so I was, I had this patient who was bringing her daughter for ear infections. Now, my understanding of reading the rules of her insurance company is that you must see a kid for musculoskeletal complaints. And so I have the conversation with the mom of like, yes, I know technically your daughter has um, chiropractic coverage, but it's my understanding that they do not want me treating her for ear infections um, and that it's more for like torticollis, neck pain, things like that. So I give her a discount um, and I see her like six times. So one day after like a couple weeks of seeing the kid, this mom calls my office and some like uh, they asked, she asked for me. I don't know why I said yes to get on the phone. Either way, I'm on the phone and this mom is asking me questions and kind of like, it's, it's seeming weird. It's seeming very like these, the way she's phrasing questions. And she's like, didn't you say blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. And then she said like, but my understanding of the rule is this. And so I was like, I was feeling kind of like I was being interrogated. And then all of a sudden, this third person who I did not know on the phone was on the phone, introduced herself as a representative of this insurance company. And so like, it was fine. It was really awkward um, because I was just like, whoa, what the heck is happening? In my mind, I had done nothing wrong. But insurance companies like to play the nice guy for their members. And so they were like, no, you like basically called me a liar in front of the patient and that I should have submitted. And then I just look like a dickwad. Um, and then I have to give a refund to the patient and go back and submit these claims. 
And then, you know, the insurance company paid him, but I was just like, what a nightmare. And then like this patient is shocking, right? Uh, didn't stick around that often. I think she came like one or two more times and then laughed. Um, so that was kind of one of like the first stories where I was like, ew, ew, I don't think I want to do this. But at this point, I am very much in bed with insurance. You know, we are 80% insurance seeing 300 and some people a week. So this pivot, like four years in, it, it took a little bit. So then there was another story that happened as we we're like in network, um, where a, a completely different insurance company liked to tell their people that they had unlimited chiropractic. Now, this was a little earlier. I hadn't worked with this insurance company a ton. And I was like, unlimited chiropractic? That sounds too good to be true. Um, so I start treating patients, you know, giving care plans. Back then, my care plans were not good at all. Um, and then, <laughs> then I get just kind of like this letter in the mail being like, okay, twice a year, we audit all of our healthcare providers to see if they're falling amongst the national average of care recommendations. Um, now this, again, I told you my care plans were really bad. Um, my opinion of bad, not to make judgment of. And so I would see a, a member of theirs, a patient of mine on average, like 14 times. And they let me know like, okay, over the last six months, your average has been seeing someone 14 times. And the national average is nine. Um, so now, you know, and the next time we do an audit in six months, we're going to need you to be closer to nine. Otherwise we're going to start cutting your pay. This is the same insurance company that meanwhile, if a member called the number on the back of their card and said, I want to know what my insurance coverage is, they would say, oh, you have unlimited chiropractic insurance coverage. But on my end, I knew I was going to start getting less and less money and more and more in trouble. So then what did I start doing? Well, then I started playing this weird game in my head. So I'm not the type, I've never been the type of chiropractor that wanted someone to come one time, get adjusted, and then like air quotes, see how it goes. And if it like, I've never been that. My care plans weren't great, but they were never that. And so here I am, you know, a month after getting this letter saying I'm like, oh, six over the average. And um, I have this guy and he comes in and he wants just like, you know, just He's like, my old chiropractor, I could call him when I wanted. I'd go in, he'd crack me, and then that usually would fix it. Now, in my brain, initially, I'm going like, I am not your chiropractor. But then my brain starts to go, oh, but if I let this guy just get one adjustment, because he had that insurance company, and I submit the one, then that one will help my average. And so I ended up adjusting him, and then like, whatever, he went away. And I was like excited because it was going to help my average. But then I was like, you kind of have this moment, this come to Jesus where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I told this guy who needed more than one adjustment that I would just, sure, do whatever he wanted because I'm playing this game. So one of the most important things beyond like being risk averse to somebody coming and knocking and saying, yeah, we're going to audit you and you owe us $300,000 due within the next 30 days, please, um, is the ability to really stay as a doctor for your patients and think through clearly what they need and not what they're in, how many visits they have. Because what started happening is like, okay, this person gets 20 visits, great. Do I think they need 36 visits or do I think they'll do just fine with 20? And then when they're out, then like, and you just started, like it just made the, the water very muddy for systems and procedures because every person was coming with a different insurance. Even if it was the same insurance, they had a different policy. And then like, we had to quick try and figure out like, what are they allowed to do? And then like figure out 
the plan for them. And then sometimes we were right and like, yep, exactly. We knew that they were going to have a $20 copay and we did all that. And then other times it was like, oh, your deductible wasn't met and you owe us a lot of money because by the time we had seen them six, eight weeks, by the time we'd been seeing them for six or eight weeks, that's how long insurance took to get around. And all of a sudden these claims we thought were going to be one thing started coming back. And I'll let you know, I'll give you a heads up into the world of running an insurance practice. They don't get mad at their insurance. They get mad at you. You're the one who lied to them. You're the one. And so you're just like, for God's sake, I'm just, I'm just doing my best here. Um, so another reason why people would do a cash practice is the patients. This is a generalization. Okay. So anybody who's like running an insurance model, don't get all, get your undies in a bundle here. Um, I find that my patients now value the adjustment and their appointments and what they get from chiropractic more than when it was free or covered. And here's Here's what I will say to like extra back this up. So we have two practices that are run this more traditional way. Uh, this year, we got contracted with a nurse practitioner who had like, it was opening a new clinic and she had gotten the like insurance for the school district and the school, school like teachers and nurses are our bread and butter. I love serving teachers. I love serving nurses. And so she had gotten like the school district and on the basis that she was going to be also providing chiropractic for them. So she needed to find a chiropractor to pay hourly to um, provide. So I'm there. So I'm like, yep, I know her. Great. So we're working eight hours a week for her. And what's nice is um, she is paying me the same whether I'm there or not, okay? The patients are not paying for this. So this is where I'm going with this. The patients aren't paying for their care. The school is paying for their care. They pay $0 for their adjustments. My cancellation rate, substantially higher at this sub little, whatever you wanna call it, clinic. Um, how the patients appreciate and understand chiropractic beyond neck and back pain substantially less than at our other two clinics. Like, so right now in 2022 and in half of 2021, I'm able, because I have like one foot in this model where the patients aren't having to pay for it. I'm just the person provided to them. And then I have these other two clinics that are my babies that, you know, have been open for 11 years where people call us, not because we're a name on a list, because their friends told them you have to go there. People call us because they know we're different and they know they're going to have to pay out of pocket. And back to my broad sweeping generalization, the patients in our two clinics that pay for it, they really value chiropractic at a different level, like a substantially different level. Um, another why of a cash practice is kind of, I touched on, it just normalizes your systems and procedures. Like I said, when you have people who like when a new patient and how you're going to give them their care plan and what you're going, what's going to be covered and what's not going to be covered, it creates this huge headache and you start having to be a chameleon to so many different people like you run and you're like oh okay yeah that's right this patient wants this oh and this insurance won't cover that and like it's just kind of a big headache not just for you but for your front desk a lot of times you might be employing someone you could so like some people are like oh I don't want to get out of network because I'll lose money you might be able to not employ a $35,000 a year employee if you didn't deal with insurance so like there you go <laughs> like start thinking about it that way you don't need Sally to call insurance and fight with insurance and bill insurance if you're not with insurance, but poor Sally, what'd she do? And now we're firing her, find something else for Sally to do. Um, and then kind of one of the last bigger things that I came up with for like why a cash practice is it really eases the predictability of your income. So when we were in network, we would have months that were let's say 20,000. And then we would have months that were 45,000. And then you'd have months that were 18. And then you'd have months that were 30. And there would just be this very large 
flux in money, um, which as you can imagine, running a business, that's not ideal. Like it's, it's nice when you can have a little more predictability behind things. And that is absolutely what having a cash practice has done is we have people on plans. And so we kind of know, like we know how many people we see weekly. We know what they're paying a month for that. And so the variability in the money that comes in is a lot less. So I kind of already told you a big part of the first half of my practice, like I said, in network with everybody. If I had a patient call and say, I take this insurance, are you in it? And I'm like, no, but I will be. Um, and I just wanted, because I thought that's what I had to do. Um, the school I came from really didn't have successful versions of a cash practice for me to see. And so I thought, you know, a lot of times you come out of school and you've got this poverty mentality. You also have this big imposter syndrome of like, I don't know that I'm that good of a doctor, let alone should someone pay me for it or that they're willing to pay me for it. And so guess what's easier? If I'm in network, then the person doesn't have to pay me. And really that makes you feel better. And so you kind of choose, it's a lot of people choose easy, hard versus hard, easy, easy, hard is I'll be in network. And then that'll air quotes advertise for me because I'll be on a list because I'm in network. And then they'll call me because I'm on that list, even though they know nothing about me or my practice. And they're really not choosing me. They just are calling some random clinic. So they're not invested in their care at all. Um, if you're not going to be what they want, they'll just call the next name on the list. And ultimately, like just the value, the value isn't there. So we do that for a couple of years. We get to this point where my husband's like, I don't like it. I feel like we have this target on our back. We're starting to hear rumors of people starting to get in trouble in our minds, being one of the largest collectors for pediatric chiropractic with the like state insurance. Not, not, not good. Kind of, kind of one of those, like, I think we should probably get out while, while we can. Um, the other nice thing about my husband be having the business degree is he ran a lot, a lot of numbers. So we have an entire, none of you are in network, right? So you, you don't need to talk about how to get out of network. Um, but if you're ever talking to someone who does, there is an entire episode that we had about our process of getting out of network and like how we handled it because we did go from 80% insurance and 20% cash to, like I said, somewhere around 95 to 98% cash, whatever percent Medicare, depending on the week and how, how bad Karen gets. Um, so, okay. Like I said, transition was two years. Um, and in the process there, it was difficult. It was, you know, hard, easy is starting your practice, not being on a list and being so excited for every new patient because you really need to pay these bills and you're at a health fair back when we used to have those and you're talking to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, you seem like exactly what I've been looking for. Um, do you take Blue Cross Blue Shield? And you're like, I don't. And they're like, oh, bummer. Cause I have really good coverage. Um, the last time I checked, it was like free for me to go. And you're like, oh, did you still want to sign up? And sometimes they were yes. And sometimes they were no. And I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that that happens to our front desk often. Um, you know, not like a lot, a lot, but enough that it's one of their, their least favorite parts of new patients is getting on the phone and having a mom on the other side that is pregnant and you know, just so excited because she's heard such good things about us. And then she goes, and do you take my insurance? And our staff has to explain like, no, we don't like, here's why. And the patient doesn't sign on. The patient goes, oh, okay, well, sorry, I need to go where my insurance covers. And it's the number one thing that sucks about not being a network. And I feel like 
I would be lying if I didn't like let you know that if you thought that running a cash practice was all butterflies and roses and rainbows and it was amazing, like, no, it's a different kind of hard. It's easier when someone else is paying for it. The patients say yes, but they don't stick around. Now, when they're paying for it, some will say yes and some will say no. And those that say yes tend to really, really stick around and value what you provide. And so it can be, it can be a slower growth than if you just like, boom, I had 30 new patients my first month because like the teachers in town, I'm on their insurance plan. Like it's, it's different. You have to figure out how to communicate value. You have to figure out how to show value. So this isn't um, a this isn't an advertisement for the insight scans, um, but I'm not going to lie. One of the biggest things that helps me run a cash practice, a pediatric cash practice. And I'm going to think not one of the biggest, the number one thing that helps are the insight scans. Now, it doesn't mean that that has to be the only thing you do. What I mean is I have an objective visual for the patient. I give them something that is beyond just me talking and being like, well, I'm a doctor. So here's what you should do. I have the visual. So there's all sorts of things. Maybe it's x-rays. Maybe well, if you're pediatric practice, like don't even get me started on x-rays. Um, but like, you know, it's something that you can go, here's where you are. Look, this sucks. You need to be better than this. And what's really nice is like every, so I'm in a town of 9,000 people and there are 11 other chiropractors. Um, none of them have the scans. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, they can go like, well, if I went to them, it'd be free. And I'm like, yep, but you're not going to get this visual to see like what your body's doing. And so it has been, it forced me to really level up my conversations on what I was talking about, because one of the other misconceptions people think is that if they're not talking about back pain, they're not running a pain-based clinic. Let me say that again. People think that just because they're not talking about back pain means they're not running a pain-based clinic. Here's the example I will tell you. Let's say I have a patient and her mom brings in a kid with colic and I'm talking about the colic and how many hours it's a colic. When did the colic start? And what about the colic? Tell me about the colic. Do you want the colic to go away? And I say, and I don't have some kind of an objective visual to tether why colic. So I'm just like, all right, yep. Chiropractic works great for this. Um, I'm going to recommend three times a week for the next eight weeks. And day two, they come back and I adjust them. And how's the colic? And day three, they come back. How's the colic doing? How's the colic doing? How's the colic doing? And around visit six, like colic tends to do, it starts to get a lot better. And some patients, it gets great. And let's say on visit seven, I have a mom call and go, thank you so much, Dr. Lauren. We can cancel the rest of our care plan. You fixed my child's colic. To this day, I will get like referrals from patients who came to me years ago and stopped coming. Like in my mind, if I ran into them in the grocery store, I was like, you and me, we're not friends. But they send people because in their mind, she fixed the colic. And I'm like, fuck, it wasn't about the colic. Sorry, I never asked if you're allowed to swear, but you guys are adults. Um, and so it's just like, I made it about the symptom. It wasn't about back pain, but it was about colic. And as soon as the colic went away, so did the patient. So one of the nicest things about the scans that really helped me stop making it about the symptom was the visualization and ability to talk about the nervous system. If you, and again, I don't care what you use, but if you want to run a pediatric practice, you need to have something, anything besides the child's symptoms to measure your progress. Because if you're a parent and you're not giving me anything other than like, 
your word on it that I need to keep coming. What am I going to do? The kids stop crying. I really don't think we need more care. Thank you, doc. You've helped a ton. So that was the game changer halfway through. Um, once we got out of network, everything kind of changed with those and it really, really helped. Another thing that made a big, big difference, um, is not adjusting on day one. Oh, it was, it was huge. And I will tell you for like, I held on to this one, like stubborn. I did not want, I thought people who didn't adjust on day ones, day on day one were like phonies and pretending that they didn't know what needed to be adjusted and they were lying. Um, and I don't remember who it was probably, it was somebody really smart. It was probably freaking Tony, but anyways, he explained that like, you know, ultimately it's not about not knowing what to adjust. It's about gathering the information and making a, a care plan making a game plan unique to this person and allowing the patient to be in the receiving place to receive it. Okay. So there's so, uh, this is an episode you should go back um, and listen to. I don't know what number it is, but it's on the day one. It's called like day one systems. Why I don't adjust on day one. That's what the episode's called. Go back, listen to it because I want to make sure we have time for questions and not get too down that rabbit hole, but doing an exam and then being like, all right, Susan, I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to go over what I found today. And I am going to go over a custom game plan that I made just for you based on what I found today. Day two, Susan comes back and I am able to go into sales mode and explanation mode. And people get all weird about like, oh, you said sales, but here's the deal. We need them to understand in order for them to buy from us. If, if insurance is out of the game, you better get comfortable with the idea that you are selling. You're selling one of the greatest things ever. So it doesn't need to be weird. Like you're selling something amazing, but communication is something that needs to be on point. Because if you suck at communication, you better be in network with insurance because you're just, you're going to suck. You need to be good at communicating the value of why they should come to you when it's paid somewhere else. Why they should come to chiropractic when their doctor said, let's do tubes next week. Practice is going to be very hard if you cannot get good at communication. So that's kind of, that's kind of what, I, okay, I did good. I wanted to leave like 20 minutes for questions. Um, you know, we went through kind of like, why is a cash practice, you know, what are some of the benefits to it? What are some of the hardships to it? And then like some of the biggest things I needed to change, which were incorporating that visual and really upgrading my communication and talking about verbiage, talking, talking about the nervous system instead of pain and symptoms. Whew, I did it. All right. What do we have for questions? You guys better have questions. Okay. So I know you said about like how the patients that kind of get the cash practice get it mm -hmm. and get the value behind chiropractic care. But when you made, which I guess I'm going to, you know, hopefully just start out cash as it is. But when you made that transition, like what was your, like, did you lose a lot of patients and how did you go about kind of communicating that with your patients? Okay. So the question is, is kind of like, how did I not hemorrhage a bunch, bunch of patients when I told them they had to start paying me for it instead of it for free? Yes. Okay. Um, so that's where I said hard, easy versus easy, hard. So I chose the path of easy, hard, meaning I get to start my practice easy. Like this is fun. And then I was like, this is no longer fun anymore because I had to have, um, like 500 really awkward conversations with people and some people did leave. Um, and it wasn't, so what was nice is, oh, I kind of touched on this. So Kirby ran the numbers, okay? So he, he broke down um, the percentages of like, all right, this is how much money we're collecting a month from this insurance company. And this is how many people that we're seeing. Like, you know, let's say we're collect, I'm so bad at math on the fly. So don't run any of these numbers, but let's say we're collecting $10,000 a month from insurance a, 
but that's only coming from 12 patients because like they're under active care or whatever. And then insurance B is our next one. We're collecting like 4,000 a month, but that's coming from 40 people. And so he really like, that was kind of step one is sitting and knowing what we were dealing with. And what we started doing is, so again, prior to the insight scans, I wasn't doing progress exams. Because again, which was terrible. It didn't help. You guys, here's another thing. If you want like a high PVA and patients to stick around, you have to do progress exams. Like you have to. Um, and so you need to be able to show them like how chiropractic is helping them. Because once you've made them feel really, really great, they're kind of like, do I really need, is this really doing, do I need to keep coming? And so what I started doing is kind of breaking it off in chunks and being like, okay, so I took the insurance company that was going to be the easiest to get rid of. I was collecting the least amount of money from the least amount of people. And I was like, all right, boom, let's start handling those conversations. And I started just being like, okay, so next time I see you, we're going to do just kind of an exam to see where you're at. Insurance likes us to do these things. And so then at that visit, I would like, okay, do an exam. And I'd be like, okay, so compared to where you started, you've reached what insurance calls a maximum expected outcome from chiropractic. And that means that you're no longer, like if this is no longer medically necessary and chiropractic is now considered like kind of optional in insurance's mind. And so that means that going forward, here are your pricing options. And some did, some went, wait, what do you mean? And I said, insurance doesn't think you need this anymore. So they don't want to pay me. They, some people stayed and some people didn't. For the most part, it was definitely not, um, it kind of just fluctuated because then what started happening is you just started only taking new patients. So no, we really didn't lose a lot of people, but we did lose some. We definitely lost some. Thank you. Um, okay. I kind of have two questions. Um, You're only allowed one. No, I'm just kidding. Then I'll make them one. Just kidding. <laughs> um, first of all, just things you did, especially in the transition of going to cash. Um, I know you said like working on communication, but if there's like one or two things that you feel like really helped, um, other than obviously practice, um, but getting good at communication. And then on the second side, um, how you decided, on like what you're going to charge per visit and for new patients and stuff like that. And if you base those off of stats um, and like what the most important, important stats you take are. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Bad. Okay. You're going to have to remind me of that second question because uh, I will not yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So first question is kind of what really did I do in that transition time to help patients like see the value? Yes. Okay. Um, or maybe that the, what I just re, how I rephrased it is the answer is I had to figure out a way to show the value of them getting chiropractic care from my clinic. I needed to increase their perceived value as much as possible. Like that's what it comes down to is how is and perceived is the very important word there. What, from a patient's perception, why would they come to you versus somewhere else? And like, honestly, you might need to like solicit friends who are not chiropractors in this and kind of run through like, okay, so if you came into my clinic and I did this, like if I said this, because sometimes we're so in our own head that we're like, I mean, they would be crazy not to give me $4,000 for this, right? And you might have a friend that's like, you didn't really explain why it takes so long. So what I have found with mo like some of the biggest things that you're going to see is they, people who haven't been to a chiropractor aren't going to be your hardest people, okay? Just case, they're not. They're not going to be, they're going to come and you're going to go. Insurance doesn't usually cover this very well. And they're going to go, oh yeah, my insurance sucks. I'm sure they don't cover this. And you're like, beautiful. The people who are going to be a pain in your side are going to be the people who are, have been to other chiropractors 
and air quotes, no, it covers great. And it's like, okay, you haven't been to the chiropractor in two years. And when I was in network, insurance got worse every single year. So you can't tell me that, you know, but like, those are the people who are going to suck is the people who like, no, actually my insurance covers really, really good. Um, so we just had to figure out how to give them the help their perception of our clinic be like, that was in the past that not that that was in the past. That's a different clinic. That's a different model where you had different goals. I raise you to like higher level up your goals. Like, and if you want this, you know, get that patient thinking bigger. If you can get their perceived um, idea of what they can get from chiropractic. Now, all of a sudden you've poked a hole in their balloon of what they think they came to the chiropractor for. And if you're like, no, what if I can give you all of this? And they're like, wait, you can do that. And you're like, hell yeah, I can. Then they're like, well, that chiropractor never mentioned any of that. And you're like, I know, because he's only allowed to see you nine times. <laughs> before. So like, that's where you kind of have to find that, that aha with them of like, oh, I get it. I get it. And you don't want to like make insurance the bad guy. You don't want to make the other chiropractors the bad guy, but you got to kind of figure out how to be like, we're doing something a little different here. Do you get that? And then ultimately, um, I know that a lot of clinics do not provide super bills. This is just my personal opinion. Currently, we, if somebody asks for a super bill, do you guys know what a super bill is? Is okay. Good job, students. You guys are great. Um, if somebody asks for a super bill, it takes two seconds for my front desk to print and knock on every freaking wood surface I have around me. Um, it hasn't bitten me in the butt. Like insurance hasn't, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where I tell them up front, I don't know if your insurance is going to cover this at all, but if you want to try, go right ahead. And I will say when people sign up for care, most of them are like, oh, my insurance, I don't think we'll cover anyways. But even the ones who are like, okay, maybe I will. Of that percentage, I would say only half of them ever even end up. They like in their mind, that gives them comfort that I can try and submit on my own if I want to. And they don't. So, but yeah. What was your second question? <laughs> um, did I you answer your first one? <laughs> yeah, no, you did. Thank you. Um it was about how you decided on whenever you switched to cash, you decided on your fees. Oh, and that's right. That's why I forgot. You base the fees off. off of stats from your office. And if so, what they are, I was about to say, that's probably, oh God. So the, how much you should charge for an adjustment is like a hot topic amongst chiropractic. Um, there are chiropractors that will tell you that you are make you are worsening the profession by charging less than you are worth. And that is the phrasing they use. And I'm like, oh, that was mean. <laughs> um, and are they wrong? I don't know. I can see where they're coming from. Like I can see where they're like, how do we ever expected to be treated with the respect of a medical doctor if we charge $32 for an adjustment and you looked in the ears. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. Um, so it really comes down to what do you want out of your practice and what are you comfortable with? Like, and oh, and ultimately what is legal in your state? Okay. Um, I will say that the where you really can get in the most trouble is when you're kind of in network with some and then you start doing these like discounted prices for people different. That's where I think things get really icky. If you're not in network with any insurance, then you tend to have more freedom in your state to like set your prices, but check your state. Um, so we had, so what we did is we looked at our OVA, our office visit average when we were in network. And it was around, I think like $32, $33. Now I'm in a very low socioeconomic area. Um, you know, the median income for a household is around $50,000 um, for a family of four. So, you know, like it's for me, I don't know that I'm going to be able to charge $50 per person for a family of four and have them come weekly. And that's going to work well. Now, 
if I want to get $50 per person for a family of four, and that's what I want, then that's what you can do. But for me, what I did is I looked at um, what kind of the average amount an insurance company paid in that area and was like, I don't know, do you want to make more than that? Do you want to make less than that? And I was like, I don't know, 32 bucks sounds good. Um, So then we just kind of like spread from there. Uh, We actually, I hate talking about this because like I said, there's so many chiropractors that just going to get mad. So mad, uh, but we actually just lowered our prices even more. Like we're the only thing that has lowered in, as far as like pricing in 2022. Um, for our families of three, four, and five that come weekly or bi-weekly, we just like slash the shit out of prices. Like the amount, it, I can't like really look at it too much because the amount that I'm getting per person is like, oh, that's low. Um, but I, it doesn't, how long does it take to see that family of five that's been coming for six years and they're coming every week and they love their chiropractic. They have no, like, they're not going anywhere. They love you. They love chiropractic. Like sign me up for weekly for life. They just tend to be easier. And so me, my personal opinion is like, I'll take the family of five at that. And you know, what happened was like, I knew I learned that about myself because when a patient quit care over time, I would be like, you know what? Shit, I would have seen them for less. And so I started learning that like, it wasn't about making sure that I got what I was worth from that patient. That was my process that I went through of like, when I had a patient quit care because they lost their job because they wouldn't do certain things. And I was like, fine, I'll see you for free. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll see you for free until you get your job back. Until the laws change. I think what you did is really cool. And uh, just keep coming. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, and so like, that's just kind of the process. And no, it's a really wishy-washy answer, but you'll just start somewhere. I will say it's easier to reduce your prices than increasing them. Increasing prices sucks. Oh my God. Um, so when you're first starting out, take a stab at where you think like, yeah. If I got this, I'd be happy. If I were, if I got this for a family of four and they committed to coming weekly, I'd be happy. Um, and then if you start practice and you're unhappy, then do something about it. But you kind of just have to take that like guess of like, sure, I'll do that. Also, okay, this is like the strategic side that I just thought of. Um, it would be great to find out how much the other chiropractors in your area charge for a cash price. Just saying, mm, that's what I would do. Um, just so, you know, if like everybody in town charges $30, you may not want to come in at 45 if you're a brand new chiropractor. I'm not saying if everybody charges 45, you should come in 30, but maybe I'd come in at 42, just saying. <laughs> Any other questions? That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like tips of what you say to patients who want to use insurance, but since your cash, like, what do you train your staff to say? So are they, so the question is, what do you say to a patient who wants to use their insurance? Correct. Um, so it depends if they are. Yeah. So our staff has very, like we have scripted, responses when it comes to insurance because new patients will call and the first thing out of their mouth is do you take medicaid or do you take blue cross blue shield and you're like oh my god i just said hi how are you doing and they're like on to like down to business it's funny because sometimes i think because i like own the place i can do whatever i want and so i'll be like sitting at the front desk because i don't know because my associates adjusting and i'm bored and um the phone will ring and nobody's there or like they're helping a patient and i'll like reach for the phone and they like slap my hand away because they're like no because like i'll get on the phone and they'll be like hi do you take blue cross blue shield and i'll be like no and i just freeze so that's not what you're supposed to say you're supposed to get your staff to say better things than no um so typically what our staff does is disarm kind of like whoa slow down that conversation so they go, okay, let's, um, they'll say something along the lines of like, well, what would you be seeking chiropractic for? So they're not really answering the question the patient asked. Now, granted, we would never want to trick a patient to getting on the schedule 
ever thinking that we take their insurance because then it's just gross. You just wasted your time and the person's mad and you're risking a Google review. So you got to be like, as you got to be straightforward, but like, first you want to like connect with the patient because they, if they haven't like connected with your staff and been like, oh my gosh, I just had this wonderful conversation with Jenny. And like, she heard me out about how terrible my birth was. And now my kid is crying. And Jenny just went, oh my gosh, that sounds so hard. We help so many moms get through their postpartum recovery and colic. Our clinic gets amazing results. Then my front desk, desk, once we've connected with them, we'll tend to go in like, let's explain a little bit about how our clinic works and why. And so they will then talk about like on day one, this is what we're going to do on day two. This is what we're going to do. This is where you'll have the option to sign on for care. If you choose, if you do sign on for care, that is when your baby will get adjusted. Um, we do not submit to insurance. We can print specific receipts for you that you can send into your insurance, but there is no guarantees they will reimburse you. So we are very honest on the phone, but we just don't like say it the first thing. Like you don't want to be like, no, we don't take your insurance. So that's the thing that I've always told my staff is you never say no to the patient's question, even when you want to say no. So like, let's say I have a patient who says to me, this is totally off insurance. Um, but they go like, Hey, I've been doing really good. I was thinking instead of coming every week, I should go out to once a month. You don't want to go. No, you're an idiot. Travis, what the hell are you thinking? You cannot go to once a month. Don't you remember how terrible you want to say? Yes. Go. Oh, okay. I'm so glad you're feeling good. Yeah. We can take a look at whether you need to keep coming weekly. Why don't we do this? Let's schedule next week, a scan so we can look see how your neurology is doing. And then we can figure out if you can go longer. I told the patient, yes, but I said, no, like, and so you kind of want to do like, that's with anything. I'd never like my staff saying no. So that means that when someone says, do you take my insurance? We figure out a way that you don't say no, you have a conversation with them. And then you say, we do not submit to insurance. So it's, it's a little bit of semantics, but like, if somebody comes at you with like, do you take my insurance? And your response is no, we do not. We are out of network. Patients are very used to out of network, meaning they cannot come to you. So that's another thing is out of network is a four letter word in our clinic. You do not use the phrase out of network because I will tell you as a parent, okay, this is a funny story. Um, so my kid, nine days old, this isn't the funny part. It's funny. I started this by, it's a funny story. So my kid is nine days old and she starts having these like weird things on me. We go to the hospital, they are urgent care because I'm thinking she's got like a this fungal thing and the midwife's like, eh, you should go in. Maybe you need a cream. So we go in, they send us to ER because she's a baby and the urgent care can't see her. And I'm like, Ugh, ER, that sounds expensive. So we go to ER, turns out she's got a staph infection and they are sending us via ambulance to an insurance uh, to a different hospital in a different town so as you can imagine this er room once they found out like oh she's got staff we got to do this the level of like how frantic everybody nurses and everything around me like raised and here i am being like um do you know if Sacred Heart is in network with security health? And the nurse who's like trying to get a urine sample out of my baby, it looks at me like, kind of like, does it matter? Your child has a staph infection. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, can you find out? Because at the time I had zero out of network limit. Let me tell you what that means. If the insurance company charges me $300,000 for a one night stay for my daughter, I owe $300,000 out of network with insurance in the hospital setting is a no-go. You do not go to out-of-network providers in a hospital setting. So if you tell a patient, we are out of network with your insurance, they hear, okay, it's gonna be very expensive to come to your clinic, I cannot afford you. And so that's where you have to make sure in your communication, like we really emphasize that we don't submit, but because we're not in network with insurance, we don't have to follow their pricing and their rules. And so what a lot of our patients find is that our discounted pricing is actually cheaper than if we were in network. Because yeah, people think like, oh, you're on a network. Ooh, that's going to be really expensive when there is times where it's like, oh, no, it's cheaper because we're out of network. Cool. Any other questions?
Okay. Well, I hope that I get in and scare you guys about practice. No, it's really fun. Um, and I love talking about this. And if you have any questions about this, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. It's actually slays podcast. Um, and yeah, I would love to help you guys all out. Cause I think it is, it is my favorite way being able spending four or five years in the insurance model and then spending the last six in a cash model. It's lovely. It really, really is so much lovelier than the other model, especially if you want to see kids. Maybe if I was like a PI doc and I wanted to do like traction and see someone six times and like bill insurance $300, like maybe that would be different. But like when you're like, nah, I just want to see you weekly for the rest of your life. Is that okay? It's really not an insurance model. It's not, it's not how they like it. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait.